For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is the only podcast that gives you a raw and unfiltered perspective of what it's really like to be a professional cheerleader. Whether you're currently on a pro team, an alumni, or really curious about what it takes to become a pro cheerleader, the Pro Cheerleading Podcast gives you all the inside scoop and hot topics in the pro cheerleading industry and in-depth interviews of current and former cheerleaders. I'm your host, Makiba. Join me every Wednesday as I reveal the truth behind the palms. All right, you guys, it's 2024. It's a new year. And guess who came out of retirement? Welcome to the Pro Trailing Podcast. I have posted before about this woman and I got to pull up the quote because I posted it, but I said, I would come out of podcast interview retirement to capture your beautiful story. And only one person can do that for me. And that is Savannah Dunaway. Welcome, Savannah, to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. Officially, she is a three-time NBA dancer for the Portland Trailblazers, and I could not be more ecstatic to have you on the podcast. So welcome, Savannah. Okay, I'm going to cry already, and you gave me chills. (laughs) I already feel like it's going to be an emotional one. It's like I'm like tearing up, and it's ridiculous. I'm not even an emotional person. I don't have the tissue handy, but I just feel like this is just going to be, like I said, beautiful story. And I'm just, like I said, so happy to have you. And if we cry, we cry together. But Amen. you guys, to not have done an episode since October of 2022, I'm just going to say, this is how big of a deal it is to me. And I'm just, again, honored to have you. And I'm going to tell the story of how we met. I feel like I did a little freestyle of this and totally added some things in there that didn't happen at one point okay. when I was talking about you after ProAction. But were you roomies with Danielle at the time? I was. Then, we went to college together. That's the connection between you two. I maybe forgot about that. Okay, so everybody, let me tell the story as appropriately as I can. Danielle invited Brittany and I when we were doing the podcast together. This was back in November of 2019 to come down to Oakland so we can catch the Raiders experience. She was a Raider at, I think that was her rookie year, if I'm right. You yep, correct right me, Savannah. Okay. Oh, that's right. Um, you got it. And I think when I told this story before, I was like, she came to the airport talking about you. And I was like, no, I don't know that she was at the airport. <laughs> because it was just Danielle, I think, that picked us up from the airport. But it was just like to explain the hospitality that Danielle extended to us. But we got to meet you, Savannah. You joined us for dinner at this amazing Mexican restaurant. And we t- how long were we there? I feel like we were just there forever talking. A long time. A long time. <laughs> talking about everything. So my first time meeting Savannah, hadn't seen her dance didn't know anything. But by the end of that night, I was just like, such a fan. And that was my first time meeting Danielle too. But it was just like, you just planted seeds in me as a cheerleader for you way back then. And seeing you kill it at ProAction this past summer, like you have been on my heart for so long. And that's why, again, this is a big deal. Okay. This episode is a big deal. So Savannah, as we delve into this conversation, Well, why don't we ground everybody in like your background, 
in dance? Because I think we talked about that when we met too. Give us this feel, where you're from and kind of like how you got started in dancing and then kind of what led you to pursue a career in pro cheer and dance. Okay, so my journey is pretty twisty, turny in my opinion, but I think that's a good journey, honestly. Nothing straight. Always like this. Nothing straight. (laughs) Literally. Okay, so I grew up in the LA area. I grew up competitive dancing. So I was, think like Dance Moms Intensity. That's what I did. Lots of technique, lots of competitions every weekend. I really didn't have a life. It was like me and my mom at dance competitions every weekend. So family vacations were not a thing, you know, all of that. What was your favorite style of dance when you were doing competitive dance? I think when I was doing competitive, it was probably jazz or lyrical, just because at that time in my life, you know, I didn't know how to improv. It was just technique. And I was a technician from when I was little. You know, I could hit four turns at the age of like six or seven easily. Like, yeah, I I don't know. I'm weird. That was just my journey. Like I just was a technician. So when it came to dance competitions, you know, I would place. Um, And I was so young. I didn't know how to emote anything, but somehow I would still, you know, do well. Uh, So at that time, I would say jazz just because it would be like whipping out turns and legs and be beautiful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I started doing that. um, And then I probably quit when I was about, I don't know, the age of middle school. Um, I started to get taller. I started to get a little bit more thick thighs and booty. My mom has some Southern roots, so it just grows in me. And I would hear some comments from teachers that I don't look exactly like the other people my age and my skill. And so I would eventually kind of get taken out of routines because I looked different. Uh, And that at a young age and like hearing the way that my teachers would talk about their body, it really did it for me. And I found that I did not want to go to class anymore. I didn't want to go to competitions anymore. And my mom was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is your entire life. You want to just give it up? And I was like, yeah, I can't do this. Like the moms were getting catty with my mom and my mom is not like that. She'll just step back and not go. So she would just start dropping me off at dance and I'd just, you know, be by myself, which is fine with my friends. But I didn't have that support of my mom, you know, there all the time because she couldn't handle the cattiness of some people too. So wow. it was just like that kind of world. And my mom and I do not do well in that. We're like, life is too short. Get it on their life. Like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I quit and I thought I was kind of done. I was doing a hip hop company that was like outside of studio um, that was just hip hop. And I kind of found my re-love with that because in studio, you do a hip hop dance, but air quotes, hip hop. It's not very hip hop. Right, um, right, right. So I kind of found like, that I was doing something that I wasn't trained in, but I loved it. And I found like to have a groove and to have my own style and that kind of helped me build me back up into dance. Okay. Uh, so then back in, then goes to high school. I was a part of my dance team in high school, but the high school was completely different than I have ever seen dance. It was about the pillars of dance, the founders of dance, how to, costume design, how to light a piece, how to choreograph a piece, the composition of piece, how you like create phrases and you have motifs in the phrases and you do retrograding and you do layering and then you add music last. And this was like a whole new world to me. My dance teacher is literally the reason why I am who I am with dance. Um, I owe so much to Miss T, shout out. She just taught me what dance really was. Mm. Um, That's you shouldn't put 
technique in pieces. It should be about, you know, emoting a piece, telling a story, not just throwing legs and throwing turns that doesn't connect with anybody. So wow. found my love. For that. Yeah. And then with that company, there was also dance team. So I was um, on dance team all four years, was captain my junior, senior year, and was still doing the hip hop team on the side. Uh, oh. So I again was busy as heck. <laughs> um, and that's the way I liked it. Um, right. Did that, graduated with um, NHSDA, which was National Honor Society of Dance Arts, was choreographer of the year my junior year for LA County. Like I just found a different avenue of dance, um, which yeah. was so different than what I grew up with. So I refound a love for dance. Then I went to a college that I decided to fully go in with the intent of finding a good career afterwards. Okay. So I went to a smaller college with no dance at all. And that was a really big, really big move for me. My mom was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, no, I want a job. I want a career. Like the only dance industries that I could do after college would be the LA industry. And I just knew that at that time I wouldn't make it. Like I didn't think my body would make it. I don't think my technique was as good as others. I didn't think I had the right look for it. And then the other avenue would have been like New York Broadway. And that wasn't something that I was super drawn to. So I thought those were the only two avenues of dance on a higher level. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just go for school and I'll get a job and work the nine to five. And what were uh, you studying in school? I studied marketing. Oh, that was my major. You okay. haven't used it, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, Lord, no, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went to a small college for four years and... I would try to find dance classes here and there. Um, and I found a studio, but it would all be younger kids. And so I would be the oldest. And then I ended up like teaching class. And really, I wanted to go to better my craft, not to be teaching. Although mm. it was great. I just wanted something to push me. And I couldn't find that in the Bay Area at that time. And then myself and shout out Sam. You remember Sam McLeod? I think so. You've oh, seen her, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, her and myself, we went to college together. We started um, a dance team at the college. Um, oh, and it was, that's where we got Danielle. So she's on soccer and we pulled her over and she did dance her senior year with me. Or okay. I already graduated at that point, but created a dance team that is still running today. Uh, we're able to give scholarships away and that program has really evolved and grown. Um, but I'm super proud to say that I was a part of bringing dance to that college. That's um, awesome that you were able to come back to something that you thought you were like piecing out and yeah. moving away from. Starting a whole new team for the school is pretty impressive and yay that it's still around. We know that there are a lot of issues with cheer and dancing being supported within their school as an activity, as a sport, et cetera. So that's good to hear. Yeah. Thank are you, you. involved with it in no, any way? Um, Right after graduation, I was working full-time for about a year. I was coaching then with Sam. And then that second year, it was just too much with my schedule. Um, I didn't find that I was loving it all that much anymore. It was um, because it was a, you know, newer program that we had a lot of non-dancers. And I have learned throughout my life and career that I do way better with teaching dancers that have more experience. Experience, gotcha. Just because of my very blunt 
honesty when it comes to feedback and things like that. Like dancers just have a little bit more of a understanding of like where that's coming from and it's not personal or, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, I like doing the fine tuning of things as opposed to teaching the basics for me. Yeah. Got it. You know. So good um, to have an awareness of yourself too, of like, yeah. this is where probably not on the foundational stuff, but you know, with a little bit more experience, I would have more to offer because not everybody's a teacher of all things, right? Or just yeah. knowing your sweet spot is, I think. Exactly. Good. So yeah, that's where I met Danielle. That's where I met Dee. Um, she was doing soccer, had some cheer background. We lived together for a summer when she was in town for soccer stuff at the school and we would watch dance moms together. Ironically, she would try to learn how to like turn. And I was like, no, 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 girl, let's do this again. And she was like, what's an illusion? And I was like, we're not there yet. We we can't teach that yet. You know, just like little things. And she was like, I want to be a Raiderette. And I was like, okay, you're dreaming. Like <laughs> you play soccer, you have cheer backgrounds. Like you're going to need to do a lot to get there. And she was like, I'm going to do it. And I was like, you know what? I believe in you. Like, I'll help you. If you want me to do some like privates on the side, like I'm not doing anything, like I'll help you. And that kind of started her whole career with that. Um, Because Danielle, for people who don't know is, I think in her third season with Raider X, is it three or four? Three? Third. Third. Wow. So awesome that you guys kind of had that journey together. So is that what piqued your interest in kind of entering the pro space? After all of that, after I was done coaching the college's dance team, and I think Dee just graduated, so I kind of had, like, my ties were not really there anymore. Uh, We lived together. Uh, We were both working full-time, and I wasn't dancing at all. And at the time, she's, like, one of the hardest workers I know. Um, When she has her mind on something, that girl, you cannot stop her. I love it about her. Yes. And so we were living together, and one day she was like, hey, I am going to go to a class. And I was like, I love that. Okay, have fun. You know, that's normal. We would go to classes here and there. And she's like, okay, I'll let you know how it goes. And she told me it was like this pro training program. I had two friends that were in my hip hop team that I told you about when I was in high school. And they now were on Warriors at the time. And so I was like, I have this connection. Like, I love them. They're amazing. That would be a dream of mine, but I will never get there. Like, my body's not like that. There was no one in the space that had curly hair, like blonde curly hair. There was no one in the space that just had a little bit more meat to them, had more size, just little things that I was like, I don't see it. So I can't do it. Like, I'll just go and, you know, take some classes here and there and that'll be enough for me. So Danielle went to the class. She came back and she was raving about it. And she was like, I signed up for this program. Like you can do some pop-up classes before Um, but I'm going to do the program. And I was like, okay. And she was like, you can come with me next Saturday. And I was like, okay, like what's the harm? I'm not doing anything. I would love for a class. And so I went to the SEMAware class and it was in the Bay and it was their second, I think it was their second session. So they would do like NFL and then a break and then NBA and then a break and all that stuff. And I think, no, I think this was their first session because it was NFL, but I knew that I didn't want to do NFL. If I was going to do this, I wanted to do NBA. I wanted something that I could dance way more frequent. You know, there's obviously more games. I wanted to dance um, on like a stage where I can do like turns and kicks and not be on a field. And I had that connection with the two people that I knew on Warriors. So I was just like, okay. And so I went, loved it. I loved the owner. I loved the people in the class. Everyone had the same, like my mentality of just wanting to get better. There was no ego involved. It was like this crazy whimsical place to me that I was just looking for 
since I left high school and I found it and it was just weird. I had no idea that it was going to be what it was. So I was there and I was hooked. And that first day, I remember Simone would even talk about it now. She remembers seeing me and being like, what the heck? Who is this girl? What is she doing? And at that time, I did not have the look. I was like 50 pounds heavier than what I needed to be, quote unquote. I, my hair was not it. I just went to dance and I was just dancing. And so, yeah, did that, met her and she was like, um, so you're going to join the program, right? And I was like, I I just need a class. And she was like, well, do you want to like be on an NBA or NFL team? And I was like, yeah, but they'll never take me. And she was like, no, no, you are too good to not be on a team and you are too good to not show your talents. I don't care how you look, whatever the case may be, you're going to do something about this. Wow. I always tell, even in the SEMA Web program, when people would get compliments from Simone, I always would say, you better write that down because it, there's a, <laughs> there's no rare to get from her. <laughs> well, because I remember when Brittany and I, we interviewed Simone, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like the second season of the podcast, but it all kind of like when we ended up meeting you and Danielle, just coming full circle of hearing about your experiences in the program. But um, it did sound like it was just a very special way of connecting everybody. Obviously they expanded where it wasn't just Bay area, but like you said, being around people with that same goal in mind and then kind of getting just all of that exposure. And then the, I think it was like a more holistic approach to like, kind of mm-hmm. like the yep. mindfulness and probably yep. making things up, but didn't they have some kind of like, where it was all yeah. spiritual a little bit and also just like yeah. the technique, but also perform. I mean, they covered all the angles. They covered, they covered all of it. So at that point, when I first started, it was just Simone, Carrie and Jerilyn. Oh. And Jer was really like the mindfulness part at that point where she would be at every class and kind of watch and give feedback when she could, but she was more of like the positive you got this girl, you know, and would check in and make sure you're doing mentally okay. Because Simone is going to be the hard like tell you exactly what you need to do, you know, doesn't have time to beat around the bush. Like she knows the industry and she knows that nobody else will do it. So if she can be the first one to kind of get you to understand that and hear those hard things from her first, she's going to do that. Um, And I do really well with that because I had a teacher in high school that was no sugarcoating. And I do well with somebody that's like intense, which is probably why I'm kind of intense. (laughs) Um, So I really love that about Simone. And then Carrie was there and she had past experience on a team. She would talk about fitness and she's kind of the one that helped me understand what I needed to do. And if I wanted this to actually happen, you know, a starting point. And she was like my buddy of every time I would go to a, you know, a workout class, I would check in with her. Like she just kind of started that for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was just the three of them. And then I did a, like a half a season. So I did that NFL season. And then that next NBA session, I still don't know what Simone was thinking, but she brought me along as a coach for the training program. Okay. I thought and, that I had that in my head that you were uh-huh. also just a participant in the program, but also yeah. one of the but when I tell you like imposter syndrome is real, I have never been on an NBA or NFL team. All of the coaching has had that. I was still training to make it myself. So I was like, why am I coaching? Like, why am I in this program and coaching? Yeah. And then I was like, how do I navigate that? Like I'm one of the girls, but I'm also now giving feedback. And so it was like such this weird juxtaposition, but it somehow worked 
so well. Like I always got feedback that I was so good at being a coach, but also being a part of the program. And I really, I couldn't even tell you how I did that now. I think I was doing what I was saying. Like I would say, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And I would do it every single class and every single minute of that session, I would be busting my butt to just be the best version of myself along with the other people in the program, but right. while also stepping back and giving feedback. So it was this weird thing, but that is yeah. That's really hard to do, actually, well, now that I think about it. If you were dancing mm-hmm. full out and trying to develop yourself and doing whatever the things are in the program, how are you even able to kind of get that view of looking at others and knowing what to, not even critique, but what feedback mm-hmm. to pass on? Yeah. That's one of two difficult and very different hats while you're performing. That would be kind yeah. of crazy. I think for me, it came pretty natural only because I was taught through high school and just my time that like, whenever I'm dancing, I'm looking at the mirror. Right. But I am making sure that I look like somebody else, meaning like we're cleaning things or like, that's what I learned from my hip hop. Like we are a team. And even though we're in a training program that you're trying to be the best version of yourself, we're still a team. We're still trying to better each other. And if I'm in the mirror and I see someone is not seeing that they're off, I am also comfortable enough to speak up and say something in a very like, positive and constructive way where they know it's going to better them. And it's just like Simone is two eyes, Carrie is two eyes, Gerilyn's one. Like there's so many people in this program at the time that so many people needed those little tidbits and those little helps. And so I was just like an extra eye to, Mm -hmm. to be able to also tell those people, you know, what's going on or what they maybe don't see. Got you. Well, that's very valuable. That's why I admire, I think the coaches and just the cleaning process and all of the things where their eyes can, maybe I just don't have the right focus, but I mean, and I also was not trained, but just the fact that they can pick up on all those details of knowing who it was that was off or like, I don't know. It's just really my well, greatest. I think, well, I think part of that as well is teaching the dancer how to do that for themselves. And that's where I was really an advocate for that. Where like, I would always say you have a mirror for a reason don't waste it. Like you're not just going to fixate on yourself in the mirror. Use your eyes to compare the person next to you. And if you think, you know, you could do better, they could do better. Like then become, make it like a competition, a friendly one of like, I'm going to make sure I outdance this person next to me. So that X, Y, and Z person watches me instead of this person. That's not a bad thing. That's part of the performative part, but you have to learn how to clean yourself and to do the moves correctly before you move on to that step. And so that's where like, we had people in the program that didn't have a lot of dance backgrounds so that they didn't know these like little tidbits that you learn going to classes or being on teams. And so just saying these tidbits that, you know, people tend to overlook because they're just trying to get choreo out or they're just trying to get X, Y, and Z. That's where I would be like, okay, take it five steps back. What yeah. are the big things that we need to figure out before getting to X, Y, and Z? Like if your problem is just getting choreo, that doesn't mean you just keep going to class and feel crappy about yourself because you can't pick up choreo. That means like go to maybe a lower level and just keep going to dance classes and like breaking it down to eight count by eight count, because if not, you're going to get overwhelmed and you're just going to go home and then whatever, like then go home, take that choreo that you just learned and reteach yourself. There's another teaching opportunity right there that you can do for free. So it's just like those tidbits that I've learned along my way and along the different ways that I've trained and sharing that with people that maybe haven't heard that or, you know, didn't have the means to find that 
you know, at a younger age or anything. I mean, these are like freaking audition gems that you're dropping, really, because this space, I think, used to be maybe easier to break into without the professional training and background dancing since two years old. I feel like, you know, the podcast has been around for five years. I broke into it without anything. And thank goodness I did it when I did, because I don't think I would make it, you know, now. Brittany used to always say that, but like, but I think for people who are wanting to come into this space from vocabulary to just like technique things like I think if you know that you're kind of a good dancer and you feel like I can do this and I'm going to try out for it, I think you almost underestimate the amount of like, you kind of just feel like you already have a lot just because of maybe you can't pick up choreography, but it's just like the humility to be willing to take, like you said, several steps back to think of, it's not really like showing off what you already know. It's really coming to ground zero. Like I need to pick up all the things that I don't know. And what that perspective will allow you to kind of take in all of these little tidbits of feedback and perspective because you know if you're just all about yourself and in your own head you're not really thinking of how you're going to mesh and no. blend the team and what you no. look like dancing you know stand out yes auditions you want to be the friend that people are drawn to but you once you're on a team you need to be able to dance as a team and that's just something I think for people maybe you haven't been on a dance team before like they don't necessarily have that lens of looking at themselves but also looking at themselves amongst others really yeah I think that's what like the SEMA program taught me was like we would have binders and like Danielle and I on night times would like go over things that we wrote down in our notes and it was such a big dream that we would do anything to make sure that that was accomplished but also we come from such different backgrounds but at the program we were the same playing field like we were on the same level of like Yes, I could maybe pick up choreo faster. I could do the technique. I could perform whatever, but I still did not have the pro look, the pro style. And that's what I think people don't really understand when newly fresh into this world is if you have jazz background, that's not pro. Like the style pro is something that you have to learn. And in order to learn that, you have to take these classes, but there's not that many of them. And then, you know, every team is then also very different. NFL versus NBA, different. Um, Bay Area teams versus Portland. Like everything is so different. And so that's where Simone is really implemented in the program that like you have to be so overprepared. And even then you're still not prepared. Yeah. And so, you know, she would teach us that, you know, these teams wear nylons, these teams wear fishnets. And we were like, what? Because I came from like Capizio where I'm like, oh, those are the fishnets, right? And she's like, absolutely not. Do not go into an audition, you know, like those things and how to polish your look. We would get feedback on like your hair and your makeup. And, you know, I would, again, not see anybody that looked like me. And so I would straighten my hair for every single session and, that oh is how I auditioned for two years with, with straight hair because I never saw a white girl with naturally curly hair on a team. There's so many things that like, I forget, this is like season one probably where we had an episode about the look, but like it blows my mind still. Like that's a thing down to freaking hair grade and textures. I know we used to talk about it like, oh, they already have a redhead on the team or, you right. know, like you're trying to figure out like, is there a space for me? But to see... and the NBA and not see yourself. How did you process that? Is it like, I'm going to bust through and be the first one that's coming on the scene with that? Or how did you get to, I'm straightening my hair for two years for auditions to, 
here is the curls and you're going to take it and like it. It was a process. I honestly didn't think that I would ever make it on a team. If, if I was to be a hundred percent, I, I thought I was just enjoying myself and enjoying my friends and bettering myself for the future. I didn't think that I would actually make a team until yeah. it was Saturday after Saturday, you know, choreographers coming in, teachers coming in, Simone giving me feedback of like me fully believing in myself that I am such a great dancer. This sounds like I'm tooting my horn, but this is what I would receive is I'm such a great dancer. All you need to do, fine tune a little things and work on your look. And so at that point I was like, okay, okay. If you take aside the dancing part, which everybody else usually is the one that they're, they're trying to fine tune that and they have the fitness. I'm a one-off. I can come and show the heck out every Saturday and fine tune everything that I have. All I need to do is work on nutrition and work on my body. Okay. Okay. I think I can do that. And did I actually think I could do it? Probably not. But after time and after people believing in me, specifically Simone, which is really like, it says a lot, I started believing in myself. Um, And I just started to show up to things and be like, I have an effort mentality where I'm like, I'm not going to die. If I'm embarrassed because of how I look, that's on me. I can go home and cry later, but like, no one is going to laugh at me. No one is going to point at me. And so I had to get over that hurdle to be like, F it, I'm going to show up. And I remember the first time I auditioned for Warriors, it was like early on and I lost maybe like 20 or 30 pounds. Hair was still straight. And I told Simone, I was like, I'm not going to go uh, audition. And she was like, why? And I was like, I don't want to show up like this. They're going to remember me like this. Like, I don't want to show up like this. And she's like, are you kidding me? That's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. They love somebody that comes back over and over again. And this is for every team. They love a person that comes back every year and gets better in any capacity or space that they need to do. But mine was specifically like a little bit of dance, but mostly my body. I was like, okay, put the ego to a side. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to dance in a little two piece and audition wear shorts. And at that time you couldn't do like high-waisted. Like that was not not an option. And so I was like, you know what, Sav, you're not going to make it far. Like just get a pair of little spandex that go a little bit above so you feel comfortable. So I got a pair of little shorts and I showed up and I got through the first round and I was floored. Mm. I was, I thought they were going to see me and cut me and they didn't. And I was like, okay, okay. I think I can do this. And then just over time, the confidence would build. And at that time I started to get a little bit closer to be like, okay, you're looking a little bit more of the part. And then Simone one day, I think it was such a hot Saturday and I came with my hair straight. And by the end of it, the curls were coming out. Like it did not look like how I showed up. And the reason why she wants you to show up to every class in your look is to see how it would wear through an audition every single Saturday. Yeah, for sure. And so she was like, wait, your hair is like that curly. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, why don't we try to like curl it? Like, why don't we try to just wear it naturally? And I was like, no one wears it natural. Like, no, no. Because at that point, I just wanted to fit into the mold. I just wanted to fit into this thing that I saw everybody else. I didn't want to be an outlier. I just wanted to be like, quote unquote, normal, like everybody else. And she was like, no, don't do that. Like, you're not normal, though. And I was like, just let me be normal. And she's like, no. And 
So I, you know, got a little tiny like curler. And at that point, my hair wasn't too curly. So I'd curl it. And it was like a whole new version of myself. And then I wasn't nervous that my straight hair was going to get all curly and wet when I was sweating. And I was just kind of like, that was, I think, the main effort point for me where I was like, effort, I'm going to go through my own journey. And like, if mine doesn't look like this person's, which it clearly already is not looking like it, that's okay. And I was hoping that there was a way to dissect when I was thinking of this interview, like what that process looks like. And that's over experiences, you know, over time, that's with the right communication, because yeah. somebody could have been in your ear telling you to fry your hair, mm-hmm. and continue mm-hmm. to fry it. like, especially without getting the desirable result. Like you could have just been getting bad information just because sometimes we do get constructive feedback or we might get difficult feedback or critiques in this space. But how do you figure out, especially as you were going through auditions, maybe having some rejection or different feedback that was shared with you. How did you get to the point of knowing what you were going to take in and process and and try to improve upon and what you were in the effort mentality, kind of like, you know what, not F you, but like, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to internalize that. There's a fine line of where it can be really damaging to self-esteem. And so I just wanted to hear from you, like how you discern between this is healthy information for me to learn from and grow from and what was like chuck it f it that's such a good question I think uh it's pretty complex I mean I I grew up dancing so I've heard all the negative feedback I've heard all the critiques and me as a human being I take it as fuel under my butt to prove them wrong but I also have learned especially through the training program and coaching people not everyone reacts to it that way And so it's figuring out what works for you. And so for me, it was criticism, but I also needed a good amount of positivity around me to make sure that all that criticism didn't really get to me. And so I had to make sure that my circle of friends and family were always positive and always really positive about the experience that I was going through because they saw all the change that was happening in my life. Mm -hmm. I starting to get healthy. I was starting to then, you know, try to get my mom to be a little bit healthier and get more active. And, you know, people would be like seeing me watch what I eat now. And they'd be like, are you doing this in a healthy way? Like just worried, but they would see that I had such a fire to, to prove something, somebody differently. And I was going to prove them wrong. I think I had that fire just as a personality trait for me, Mm -hmm. but It's not to say that all of the negative things that I've heard are being brushed off my shoulder. Um, You know, it's still really, yeah, because I'm human. But but at that point, I just learned how to turn it into fuel of being like, the next time you see me, (laughs) watch out. And so that's kind of that's what I did. But I, I know that that doesn't work for everybody. I have a super hard shell where like, I will make sure that it looks like it doesn't bother me, even if it does a little bit. Got it. Can I ask a question about that? Just that motivation. I've always been curious about that motivation where it's like, where people want to prove people wrong. And so it kind of becomes that fuel. It would work for me. I think if there was that moment of redemption where the person who was doubting me or standing in my way you know, came up to me and was like, you know what? I was dead wrong. And oops, my bad. I'm sorry because I inflicted pain upon you and I was talking crap. And like, obviously that would come the the full circle moment that I think I would feed off from. But like, without that happening though, like when you just prove them wrong, knowing that you did it, it's not like they come back to you and say, 
hey, I was wrong about you. Like, where does the oomph come from at the end when you, if you don't hear that coming from the person who was doubting you in the first place? I think it's good. I think it's a little bit of like a two part. I thought two different ways. One is sometimes people are saying these things to purely help you. Sometimes their way of saying it is not the most uh, kind or it doesn't feel like it's the most pure hearted. And that's okay because sometimes people just can't communicate like that. And I have an understanding of that because I have no idea why, but I just do. So I would understand like, okay, that's okay. Like I appreciate their opinion, but I would always say, I always think of opinions like like butts. Everybody has one, like booty holes. This sounds horrible. Everyone has one, but like, doesn't mean that you need to like do anything with it. Like you don't have to take it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So right. That, that's one way I would think about it. And the other way I would think about it was if they're saying something negative or rude or constructive and you don't know how to take it, like that also sometimes could be because they're dealing with something. And because they're dealing with an insecurity of themselves or they're dealing with projection and maybe they're able to realize that maybe they're able to not realize that. And like, again, to each its own, but I just had to have this mental understanding of the business I'm in, what I'm trying to do, what is currently happening in that business and who is involved and just have a really open mind Mm. about everyone's opinions and everyone's thoughts and ideas and take what I wanted and leave the rest. That's so important to not just take everything, right? Because when we want it so bad, I just know how it's not like we're just desperate, but we are so like we want to be the sun. We kind of are. We like (laughs) we are. We're like willing to do anything and everything to make that dream team. We're investing all this money in different programs, the training, your look, your, I mean, you're going at it full force. And I always wonder when it comes to feedback, positive and negative, like how people receive that, because it is either going to be something that potentially could stop you from going forward. Like you can say, you know what, you said something and I'm taking it as a statement of fact that I won't make a team and I'm going to just kind of like acknowledge that I did the best I could and I'm just going to stop. And so I was really, really curious about your journey of like, with the no's, like, no, I'm showing up again. Here I am in your face (laughs) one more time. Or just like how you process that where you did not, because it sounds like, and if I'm like recapping, right, you didn't really have it dream of since you were little of always becoming, you know, a pro NBA dancer. But once you discovered it and you're like, oh yeah, I would like to, you kind of still didn't quite think that because of what you saw in the industry, people not looking like you, you didn't accept fully that that was going to be something that would happen for you. When did it like turn on for you? Like, I'm going to end up on a team from hell or high water. Or how did you even start to present yourself at auditions? Because I want to hear about the audition where you made your team. Like, I want to hear the thought process. I want to hear like literally what was going through your mind and how you felt when you made the team? Yeah, um, I think it's complex again. I think I was used to hearing Simone say that she believed in me, which was such a high person to have that approval. And she would, you know, at that point, I had one audition already. And then I think I was going to my second one and was looking a little bit better. And I think at that point, Simone was, you know, constantly like, God, if I was making a team, you would be on it. And I love that. That was so sweet. But like, 
that's not a team though. (laughs) You know, I wanted to be on a team. And I think shout out Sabrina when Sabrina recognized me at an audition and she remembered my name. I think because I was best friends with Sierra at that time, Sierra did Warriors then took a mental break. So again, mental plays a huge role in this as well. Like you have to make sure that you're mentally, you know, in a good space. And if you're not, it's okay to step away from training, from a team, anything, because you have to be so mentally strong to be in this world. (laughs) To this world, let alone like pro NBA and NFL. So Sabrina remembered my name and I was just like, oh, okay okay, I'm seen, I'm seen. And then I think COVID happened and all the online classes were happening and SEMAware went a little bit online, but at that point, the program does so well in person with the one-on-one feedback in person, immediate, you know, the community with the girls. And so we just kind of took a pause Mm -hmm. and another online training program popped up and I fully, again, invested because I was at that point fully invested in my dream and did that was a class, you know, a couple times a week was just working my behind, like eat, sleep, breathe. I was working full time, loved my job, but like everyone knew on the side that I was training. I was another full time job. Wow. And so just fully took all the classes and would constantly get great feedback, which was so great. And then it was just instilled in me that all I needed to do was shed some weight, get a little bit more toned, and I would have the look and they'd take me. And Mm. I was doing curly hair, you know, I was confident in what I put in all the time that I put in. And I was just waiting for the green light from somebody to say, yes, you've got the body now, let's put you on a team. And that didn't happen the way that I was hoping. You know, I was doing really well. I was known in the area, the team that I would want to be a part of. I They all knew me. They all knew my work ethic. I was, you know, training people that were auditioning with me. Like we were all, still all doing this together, went through an audition. It was great. I literally could have not walked away from that experience and that audition saying that I could have done better. Wow. I did literally the thing. I was great. It takes a lot for me to say that because I usually will not toot my own horn, but from everybody else's feedback that I didn't ask for was such positive and such like, you are a showstopper. Like, I couldn't stop watching you. Like, you're going to make it, all these things. And then to find out that I didn't make it and all of the people that I trained, all the people that I've also been training with, Maybe all the people that haven't been training nearly as long as me made it and I didn't. So I was told I could outdance almost every single one of them and I didn't make it was like the world crushing down. Oh, man. And it was the biggest ego check that I didn't think I had. All of a sudden it was like, you're pointless. And it was the hardest thing because I would hear all of these positive things from people saying, you got this in the bag. And I was completely transformed my body, completely transformed my mind, which is great, to fit a mold that I still didn't fit, just barely so close, and would get feedback that it wasn't the coach's decision, it was somebody higher up. And 
even all the coaches and all of the judging panel, they did not have enough pull for Mm -hmm. one person above to say, you don't fit the mold of this organization that I run. So we're not going to take her. There were tears shed when they were picking the team saying like, she's worked so hard, like picked, they showed a before and after picture of my body and was like, I want her on my team. And the person above said no. And I was lucky enough to have a great relationship where I can actually get that feedback and not walk away, not knowing what happened. Like I had a great relationship and a great network where they would tell me exactly what happened, but that didn't make it really feel any better. Any better. Yeah. It's still, I wasn't enough. And at that point I took three years of telling myself in the mirror every morning, I am enough. I'm enough. And then that one day told me I wasn't. And here the tears. Um. To tell you my world, like I've never had a panic attack. I don't really suffer from anxiety. I can literally cry right now because I remember in my apartment fully breaking down. And my best friend, Sierra, who made the team, was on the team before, did not care that she made the team, did not care about anything else except making sure that I was okay. And I wasn't. I fully was not. And so that was hard. And although I've heard no for so many other times, I really thought, and everyone else around me thought it was going to happen and it didn't. And this is thinking of like all that you poured into it. And especially it sounds like you in a healthy way. Uh, You could tell me if it wasn't a healthy way, but (laughs) you were trying to take into consideration, okay, I'm going to be at my healthiest. I'm going to work on my body and physique. Um, Because you're beautiful, Savannah, like this is not you, there's nothing to really tweak or change as far as I'm concerned. Beautiful, sounds so bad, beautiful body, but you know, you do, you have curves and all the things, right? (laughs) But I mean, my heart just sank of thinking of like doing all of the things and just the whole context, because we know what it feels like when you don't make it and your friends do, it's like, you're happy, but then you're like, oh my God, this is the worst feeling in the world. Mm -hmm. How did you pick yourself back up from that? Because that is hard. That is extremely hard. And then, like you said, you're hearing what happened, maybe behind the scenes a little bit. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't make you feel better. Like, how did you pick yourself back up? Yeah, I mean, when I say have a support system that fully believes in you and your dreams, that is a game changer. I was embarrassed to be frank, I was so embarrassed of what happened. I didn't want to talk to anybody for a little bit. Um, it was just such an emotional process. Yeah. Uh, and it was just insane. But I, again, found my love for working out. I found my love for, I really knew that I wanted this to be a dream. And at that point, it took a few days and a few people to like reach out to me and talk to me. Simone would send me like, she sent me like 30 days of like positive things about me. Like every day she'd be like, you're a badass. Like you are the best dancer I know. And again, from Simone crazy. So every day she would send me a text and it would say something like that. And just having those people behind me that said like, this is not the end for you. Please do not give up. Like you deserve to be on a team was like the thing that that I needed to pick myself up. And so I picked myself up. I had a few people reach out to me, kind of give me some feedback to tell me like, you know, maybe what happened or, you know, 
try to hold my hand in the next process of whatever my journey was. But again, I was like, I don't know what to do. There was two teams in the Bay at that time. I didn't want to do NFL at that point in my career. I wanted to start off with NBA. There was no other team. So I was like, I have to move. Like, I am not willing to sit here, watch all my friends who I love so dearly live their dreams and go to every game because that's all that there was left to do. And I was like, no. No, 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 I can't. No, I will go insane. That's all my friends. They're going to have their own little things. And now I'm an outsider. Like, nope, I can't do that. And so I was like, you know what, we're going to re we're going to rethink. I had like top four, top five teams that I would ever be on for NBA. Mm -hmm. And it was like Warriors, Blazers, uh, Brooklyn Nets, and like Chicago Bulls, I think. And I was like, Okay, so I got to move. Okay, okay, okay. Auditions are happening. Like, they're going to happen. They were still doing virtual auditions at that point, they too, were right? Still doing virtual auditions. Okay. And at that point, I just moved to my apartment in Oakland. Like, I was like two months into my new apartment, and I was like, you know what? We're just going to see what happens. And my mom was, I was so scared to call her and be like, Mom, I'm going to audition for other teams and I may move. But she was so supportive and she was like, we'll make it work. Like if that happens and you move, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. And so I was like, okay, I'm already like in the best shape. I'll just continue doing what I'm doing. And I'll just like put some feelers out. And I really thought that I had to, you know, I loved my job. So I thought I needed to stay in the Bay area and my dreams would work out that way. And then I would move. And like, I was like, oh, I'm not, I can't make Blazers as my first team. So I need to do this team. And then maybe I'll move to Portland. Like I really thought Blazers was going to be like, after I had a few years under my belt. Boy, I don't know if you believe in God, but did God say I have a different plan for you? I just had to trust it. Yeah. So I I think sons were having auditions. And so I was like, okay, I'll try that. And I got some feedback and they were, you know, the people close to me were like, I don't know if that's this program for you. And I was like, look, this is the first time I'm going to another audition. That's not what I'm used to. And they were like, you know what? That's right go because the more experience, the better. So I went totally different market, totally different experience than I was ever used to, um, but made it all the way to finals and got cut the last round. And I knew in my heart that it wasn't the team for me, but I met some of like, I have two friends that I still talk to that did seasons on the suns, like met great people and kind of just got to be out in the audition world that I wasn't in already. So I went back and I was like, okay, okay. And then I got from a little birdie, someone told me that Blazers were having auditions and I was like, they haven't posted anything. And like season's about to start like in a week, like there's no way they're doing auditions this year. Cause again, it was COVID. So sometimes they skipped a year. Yeah. Like they would sometimes keep like the squad from the year before for the entire season. And so then I was like, they haven't posted anything. Like they're not having auditions. I did like a virtual audition for Celtics, but they were like making finals. And then that next day they would have practice. So I I literally, I think they chose people that lived in Boston already because they knew that they couldn't have somebody like move. You want to cross country. Yeah. 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 But I was willing to even move cross country. Wow. I had people in my corner that was like, you need to make a team like these people that choreograph for these teams that were like, you need to make a team. And so I was just like, okay, I'll do anything. You're right. You're right. Okay. If you believe in me, I'm going to do it. And so then uh, Lasers posted that they were doing virtual and I was like, okay. So I submitted 
did all of the videos at my house. I had like, you know, a few of my warrior friends like come and film me like on my rooftop, like just the biggest supporters of me, even leaving them. Right. And I then went through that virtual process and I made it to finals. And so I had to go in person for finals. And so I was in person first time in Portland. Um, We had our finals and it was only rookies. So no vets were auditioning that year. It was just new people for that audition process, which again was new because usually that's not the case, but they had their returners that wanted to come back from another year. So they were off to the side. They learned the choreo, but it was just like the upcoming rookies together, learning a piece and doing it in front of Michelle. And it was kind of nice because everyone was on a equal playing field. There was no weird like dynamic of, you know, vets. Yeah, exactly. And so then I was like, oh, this is kind of like a class. And so it was hip hop and I loved hip hop and it was like a Shannon routine. And I was like, yes, I got this. It's like Jay-Z. It's fun. I was feeling it. I was in my bag. And um, I knew a blazer dancer at the time through the SEMA wear program. And she was like, sent me the thing. And she was like, I don't, I don't know if you saw this, but we're having auditions. And I was like, I already submitted. I'm here. I'm ready. And so she was there and was like the biggest supporter of me. And so went through that process, um, which was like a day. It was a day in Portland. And then I flew home and we were told that. So typically with Blazers, which I think, you know, from like Roy and Michelle, if you find out that you made the team, you would have to like go to Moda and sit and wait to see like your name it's the most it's the most stressful it's like hunger games I'm not even gonna lie and I remember (laughs) I met a dancer at the sun's auditions that used to be a blazer dancer and she was auditioning with me and she told me about the blazer dancers reveal and I was Mm -hmm. like that is horrible I never want to do that. That is horrible. And I was like, yep, I just just more of a reason why like I need a few years under my belt to make that team. I cannot put myself through that. And then I ended up going to Portland and trying out and doing all the things. And so we didn't have a reveal. And so it was like, we will call you if you make it. And if you don't get a call on Thursday or Wednesday, or like Wednesday, say it's Wednesday, then you'll get an email on Thursday saying, thank you so much, but we already selected the team and you're not a part of it kind of a thing. And so I went home and I was, you know, thinking, okay, well, I'll get a call on Wednesday or I won't. I'll find out. And it was like a Tuesday and I get a FaceTime call from this number. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I'm not answering a FaceTime to to a number I don't know. Like, it's like nine o'clock at night. Heck no. I'm not doing that. And I texted my friend who is from Portland. And I was like, wait, it's this area code. And she was like, oh my God, that's a Portland area code. Like you need to answer it. And I was like, okay. And so I called back, didn't answer. And I was like, okay, well, okay. You know, it's nothing's happening. And then I get a FaceTime and it's Michelle. And she- Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. She is, um, she is on the phone and she's like, Hi, Sav. And I was like, hey, hey. I was like in my pajamas, like hair up in a bun, my glasses on. I was watching Grey's Anatomy. It was dark. I had to turn on a light. Like I was, I was just chilling. I wasn't supposed to hear until the next day. And hey, Sav, I have some like news for you. And I was like, okay. And she like turns the phone and it's all of the current blazer dancers. They're at practice. And they were like, congratulations. And she was like, 
congratulations like you're a blazer da- oh I could cry oh you're God. a blazer dancer <laughs> like you were amazing like we're so excited to have you on the team like stay tuned for practices like I know you have to move um there's two other people that are also moving so like I'll put you in a group chat with them and I'll put you in a group chat with everybody but like I'm so excited to have you part of the team you know blah 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 and I was just like sobbing sobbing and I was at my mom's house house sitting for them in LA so I was not even at home home and I'm just crying and so then I called my mom and I told her and she freaked out. I called Sierra and she freaked out. I called Simone and she freaked out. And it was just like this insane feeling to know that like I was seen. Like fully oh, seen for who I was. And when I tell you like I still have like a syndrome of like are you sure you want me on the team are you sure you want me to be captain like it's still such a thing just from my past experience and that's okay but to find a team that fully wants you and you want them is like such a hard thing to find Um, and you can never predict when it's going to happen or how that journey is going to happen But like what is meant to be will be. You just have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in the gift that you have, whatever that is, whether that's just dance, just performing, just you as a human being, like being so confident in what you give to that organization is going to be the thing that like pushes you through. And pushes you to the like, to where you were always meant to be, you know, like sometimes we want something so badly and it just might not be where we were supposed to, right? Might, you know, and it's hard to, when you're so determined and focused on achieving that goal, um, it can be hard to open your mind up to other right. possibilities of a dream that's even better than you can have, could have imagined in the first place. And I, I've been dying to know the story for so long and I'm just like trying to wipe my tears away because I, um, I just knew it had to be such a moment, you know, of, the whole I am enough, because we can say that to ourselves all day long. I'm enough. I believe in myself. I know I'm worthy, all of those things, but there's still like a very human hope, you know, and like need to have somebody see that. Oh, there's like this analogy that I had when I thought I wanted to write a book of like, think of like the real estate market, right? Like, you can have, and this is like in a dating context, but still, it's, I think it's relevant or I can cut it out because it's not, but like, re- think of a piece of real estate. It's your home. You've put so much love into the home, like maybe some renovations. You've, you know, done a lot of work on it. You've fluffed everything up. And in your mind, your house, and you're reasonable, you know, you think of the houses around you and you know that you're the special. And then you like, I think this house is worth $1 million. I know what I've invested in it. I believe in what I've done. I see what's going on out there. And I still think $1 million. You put it on the market and it's like people coming to you like, I'll pay $65,000. Or like, I'm going to walk through your house and I'm going to critique away all the things that I don't like. And no, I'm not going to give you $1 million. I think you're only worth whatever. It's that process. And it's like, well, how do you figure out what you're going to modify, adjust? Are you dropping your price? Are you... 
sacrificing some of the things or like calling it an L or do you keep your price at 1 million hoping that with the right opportunity, the right buyer, that you'll have a meeting of the minds around worth where you find the buyer of your dreams. And there's a lot of little retooling in there. And I get that you can't necessarily say fixed at 1 million, but when you put your best into something and you know your worth, you still, just like I said, human nature need that, not even reciprocated. It's like just a, an acknowledgement. Yes, you, I want you. Exactly. Exactly. One person, and that's what was always said. You need one person to say yes. Yeah. Michelle was my one person. That's so, and you know how I feel about Michelle. I can't even say enough yeah. about her. And I just think her presence in this space as a director over her tenure, that could be like a whole other conversation because saying yes to me also just means not just yes in this moment, but yes to your season. Yes to all of the things like I'm not saying yes. And then I'm going to try to like pick you apart to make you something else. Like I'm saying yes to you. God. And she is like, same. I could say, I I could say so many nice things and, and honest, nice things about her, but there's a reason why she was my first coach as well. Um, I remember right after hearing that I made it, I then got a text from her like a couple days later and instant anxiety. I was like, oh my God, she made a mistake. I'm cut. She looked at me and she said, "Never mind. You're not going to fit my outfit. Sorry. And at this point I was little, like I was little and Ooh. I was surprised my body looked the way it did, but I was like, okay, she, like I was confident, but yeah. I still knew that I didn't look exactly like the person next to me and that I probably couldn't fit in, you know, an extra small, still at a thighs. I still had a little bit of a butt, but you know, I was still like pretty good. And I remember getting a text and I was like, cool, I'm cut. And she's like, you have time to chat. And I was like, sure. So she, called me. No. she called me and she was like, hey, Sav, like, I don't even know how she worded it. It was so nicely done. But basically it was like, we're ordering new outfits for you and another dancer. And I knew exactly who it was. I auditioned with her, loved her, I actually met her in the Bay Area. She did the Cultivate Code like video shoot with me. And she <laughs> tried out the blazers too. And she made it. And it was like the two of us were like the thick girls. And she was like, hey, I just want to get your measurements. I'm going to order a few outfits for you to make sure that you're like the most comfortable in them. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I just want to make sure you're comfortable. Like, I think you're totally going to fit everything, but I just, I just want to make sure you're the most comfortable. So just give me your measurements and can you take a few measurements for me and I'll send them over and we'll get stuff made. And I was like, what? And I remember saying like, I hope you know, like, I'm only going to get better. Like, I'm working on it. It's a journey. Like, I, I still want to lose weight. I still want to shed and tone up. And she was like, Saf, stop. Wow. You are fine just the way you are. We took you because we want you. You don't, you do not need to change your body anymore. Like, if you want to tone up or you want to do X, Y, and Z, that's on you. But we love you for right where you are. And that was like, I saw the sun, like the clouds moved and I was like, what? Are you sure? And then I remember like in the locker room rookie year, we like had shorts on and 
she was like, Sav, is that a good size? Or we got a new shirt or something. And she's like, Sav, is that a good size? And I was like, yeah, I think so. Like, what do you think? Like, look at it. And she's like, yeah, it looks great. And I was like, yeah, I got these thighs. And she was like, what? And I was like, what? And she was like, do not talk about yourself like that. Like, do not say that. Your thighs are perfect. Don't do that. And it was just my coping mechanism during the whole program, during the whole audition process, during, you know, online classes, my go-to was like, I'm working on it. Like I wanted to be the first Sorry, one to, what they're gonna say. to make fun of what's happening so that they knew that I was self-aware, that I need to work on X, Y, and Z, that I wasn't unaware. And so I would always be the one to like, be like, oh yeah, I'm, 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 I'm working on it or whatever. And this was like the first time I understood that I didn't need to do that. Yeah. And I shouldn't do that. And period, that's it. It was like a game changer because I've never seen the industry like that. I was taught in the program and I was taught with my experience that like, this is the mold. And I mean, you know, since you started this podcast, like mm-hmm. how it was four years ago is very different than how it is today. But yeah. at that point, everyone was like, you cannot make it unless you fit this. That mold. And so that's what I was taught. And so to be like, the outlier in a way with my one of my best friend now she's on the team with me now still was weird because we both were like so happy to be on the team but also kind of felt a little odd because we would have two of certain outfits and feel like a little bit like oh those are the thick girls and we weren't but we internally still had that thought in our mind yeah. And like shed that and to understand that took time. And it's still something that I think about now being on the team and every audition season, I get anxiety because yeah. I, you know, want to look my best and I'm getting older. I, um, you know, life is different. I can't put in all of the time and effort that I did when I was training for this. And so mm-hmm. it's still a, a battling mindset but it's something that you just have to again go back to the basics of like remember what you're bringing to the team remember the person you are remember the dancer you are and like just stay true to whatever you are and whoever you want to represent exactly I love hearing for a million reasons like what your experience was like after you made the team because like when I think of like diversity whether that's there's diversity in a bunch of different senses, but if we're talking about body shape or what have you, you know, it's one thing to get the numbers to say like, oh, well, we have somebody on the team that's fill in the blank, a male or whatever, but like, how do you treat them once they're on the team in terms of inclusion or that welcoming environment and not like, oh, we're having to adjust this and this and this. I'm just so glad that that wasn't your experience and like having the podcast for five years and seeing the changes in the industry I'm always excited when I see, you know, teams breaking the mold, but it does require a lot of thoughtfulness to allow the kind of the dancer that's new in that space or that you're opening that door for to have a certain level of dignity around the experience and not like it's an afterthought, like, oh, we should have thought about what we're putting you in or, you know, or, oh, a dressing room for the male, one male cheerleader on our team. And we didn't think about like, you know what I mean? And it just takes the right leadership, um, which is why I commend Michelle so much her heart is so open. I think she just knows talent when she sees it. I just think she's just really fair in that yeah. way you know, and knowing how to make it an overall just 
positive experience. And I love that she interrupted the self-talk that's like, no, we're not doing that. Like, I love that. I just think she really, really loves her dancers. And that's shown just from hearing about your experience yeah. on the team. Like, Michelle, no. you just make me have all the feels. I'm going to ask you, looking back on where you started in this pro space, or you can go even further back, but for you to now be a third year veteran and captain of an NBA dance team, just saying that is like such, we've talked about it for the past hour, but looking back on that journey, what are you most proud of, grateful for, and inspired by? Oh my God, that's such, such a hard question. Okay. Grateful for? I would say I'm grateful for all of the people that I met in my journey. Mm-hmm. I now have literally my family and my best friends that will be at my wedding, that will be at childbirth or, you know, at my funeral, like everything. Like I have met my people and really seen what like true friendship, true mentorship, mentorship and a friendship, um, just how everything is just based off of love and support and also criticism. You know, I have those friends that will give me a mirror when I need one. That is and, so important. Some people don't like yeah. that. To me, that's like the definition no. of love. Like, no. no like- and that's how I am as, as a friend. And so to receive that back has been like amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really grateful for all of the friendships and like long life friendships that I made throughout my entire journey. And every single one is different. And so that's what I'm grateful for. What are you most proud of? Oof. I know that I am most proud of myself and the way that I conducted myself through my entire journey. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no guidebook on how to be me in this space, leading up to this space and now being in this space. And I'm really proud of how I stayed true to myself, tried not to dim my light too much, mm-hmm. Um but learned through every season of that entire journey about myself. I love that. The last one, and it probably is like, what kind of question is that? But what are you most inspired by? Like kind of looking at your journey, what gives you inspiration for your future or the future of the pro world, whatever leaves you feeling the most inspired? I think sharing my story because I see so, so many beautiful, talented dancers that can relate to my mm. story and are open enough to tell me that. And I know that I would have moved mountains to have that yeah. for me. And so I, you know, being on now my third year, I remember last, I think it was like last year, even rookie year, like it was a little bit of imposter syndrome my first year. And then last year, it was like getting used to this new life. And I think at one point, I kind of forgot about my journey and my story and who it impacted. Uh, starting this new world in a, a new life in a new city, no one knows me. And mm-hmm. when little tidbits come out about my story or, you know, I teach here and there and people come up and say, oh, my God, I followed your journey, X, Y, and Z. 
or, um, you know, choreographers come in and I haven't seen them since, you know, a training program with SEMAware in 2019 or whatever. And it's, we're finally meeting in person because I'm on a team. Like it's this full circle moment and they will constantly tell me, or like meeting you at ProAction, like constantly tell me that like, they followed me, I've paved the way. And that to me feels so weird because I just paved my own way. And by doing that and sharing my journey of little tidbits here and there, whether that's the interview with Seema, whether that's you following my Instagram, whether whatever, they seeing a, you know, a video of me at Oscars class during COVID, like they've seen the growth and they know that they can do it too. And that mm-hmm. is so priceless to me, but it also humbles me to know that like, I'm right where I need to be. And I, you know, did my dream. I got my dream, but that doesn't mean the journey's over either. And I don't know what the next part is, but just like continuously bettering myself and bettering my craft and doing it my way will lead the hopeful, the ways of many hopeful people, which it already has, which is just weird to me. It's weird and it's beautiful. This is why I was like, I'm coming out of retirement to share this story because (laughs) I know it's going to ignite for so many people who haven't seen, felt seen, or felt like there was a place for them in this space. Like, I just feel like if they just can listen to the journey and reflect and just restore their faith in themselves and restore or build their faith in that our industry is growing in a direction where that does not have to be the mold anymore and that we can focus on other things that make someone a well-rounded, amazing addition to this pro cheer and dance world. So that's why I'm so grateful to have you. The last question, I guess, is if you have any advice, but I feel like listen to the whole dang episode is the advice for anybody (laughs) who can um, relate to you or just that one piece of advice that you would leave them with. I want to say one, one other thing about like, paving the way for a body image or paving a way for people that look like me. I can't tell you how many people have also reached out like, and I've seen their profiles, I've seen them dance and they're like, how did you cope or deal with somebody saying X, Y, and Z about your body? You know, Mm -hmm. I've seen, I've seen people say, I tried out, I know my dancing wasn't the best, but my only feedback was about my body. Like how, how did you deal with that? And I think that is probably the hardest thing because it's different for everybody of how they deal with it. But we, again, have to remember that as much as everything's changing and teams are changing, like people still run some organizations the old fashioned way, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, you know, and they'll still bench dancers, you know, for weeks, months at a time because, you know, they didn't hit their right. Uh, fitness test, whether that's a weigh-in, whether that's a running test, whatever that is. So I think we have to remember as dancers, like we still need to be on our highest game level. Yeah. But know that if someone says that, that doesn't mean that it should be the end of the road. It doesn't mean that you need to do a crash diet. It doesn't mean that you need to lose 20 pounds. It doesn't mean that you need to stop eating. Like maybe And this may not be an answer that people want to hear, but maybe this is not the space for you at this time. Or maybe you're just not at the right team and that's okay too. 
but mm-hmm. you need to be able to know within yourself how you can cope with that and make sure it's healthy. And if it's not healthy, step away. Like don't audition for a little bit. Don't try out for that team. Like there is no, that I have heard of age limit for an NFL or NBA team. There's mm-hmm. not, Mickey, but you know that. Hell yeah, I know that for sure. I probably <laughs> broke the record or two, no, I'm kidding. But but there is no yeah. limit. You can step and away so, and come yes. Absolutely. And so I think my advice is like to know yourself and know what you can handle at that time. And if you can handle the criticism and take it and run with it in a positive way, do that. But if you need to step back and not audition for a year or two or go and do something, like I think us as human beings right now just want the reassurance and want the dream to be made now. I was a pure victim of that. I wanted it now. I had no patience. I was like, let's go. We're wasting time. Yes. But but that's not true. Like step back and know yourself. And if you need to do X, Y, and Z, do it. Because in the long term, like you're going to be on a team for a year, two, three, four, five, six, seven. What happens after that is you're still mentally the same person. You're still emotionally the same person. And I've seen so many people do a year or two or a few years come out of the program and be not okay. Not okay. Not okay. Physically, mentally, emotionally. And this is such a short period of your time of your life, but it's not your entire life. There's so much more life to live so much more. I love what you're saying because I'm just thinking of how we do, like exactly what you said of how we process it. Like it's the right here, right now. It's, I have my eyes set on this. I want it. I want it now. I don't want it five seasons later after I've auditioned four times and didn't like, we just, we're not thinking of big picture alone. No, when we set a goal, it's like, it's 2024, it's January. Everybody's setting goals of like what they want to do this year, but it's still like right now, not, you know, in a few years, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And so you really do have to think of just not just this piece of your life that's dedicated to training and making a team, but like where you are in other other aspects of your life, like with your job or with your family and maybe needing to be not on a team for whatever reason, because there's other things in your life on. Yeah, exactly. It's so easy to lose sight of that. And all I can remember sharing in some one episode or two or three or five is the year that I didn't make it back after my rookie year, I, I needed to not be on the team that year. Like other things going on in my life that had I been on the team, it would have been a, it would have been horrible. It would have actually been horrible. And life, life be life in, you know? And sometimes you just need to be able to tend to yourself as a whole human. And this dream, as amazing as it is, it can still be sweet five, ten. I mean. I didn't start because now there's time in between and you really appreciate it. Exactly. I so as old as I was making a team at like 33. I really love that. I got my five years in my thirties. Like, Mm -hmm. could I have done it now? Probably not. But like, I think that's so dope because I was at a point and I definitely wanted it right then and there. And I found it late, but it was just, it was such a great time to be able to enjoy that. I just love your advice though, because it's so um, spot on. You can step away from it, tend to yourself, love yourself, build yourself up, train, do all of the things where you feel ready to take on 
this crazy industry that maybe will evolve, maybe it won't, maybe a team will evolve, maybe they won't because they have certain leadership, who knows? But like, if you know yourself and you know what you put in, you can come back a, not as fractured, if you will. You know what I mean? You want to come as whole as you can and yes, not to a point where the experiences can break you. We don't Preach, want that. Eva. Preach. <laughs> we do not want that. Second time going to church today. <laughs> Let's do drop it like it's hot before I steal your whole entire afternoon. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm bringing it back, y'all. Drop it like it's hot. It's, we'll see if I go fast. Don't feel rushed, but. <laughs> you know. I go on tangents. We know this. I could talk forever. I'm especially about this. I am the ultimate chatty fatty. I feel like drop it like it's hot has never been like some rapid fire. <laughs> okay. What song is currently on repeat? Either in your playlist or like your jam right now. Honestly, all of Renaissance still from Beyonce. Like I just saw the movie. I'm 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 undone. I'm undone. I went to two of her two of her concerts. I saw the movie. I I have my Beyonce, you can't see it. My little Renaissance fan. I could literally do it. I would oh say my- cuff it. Just I'll just do one song from her okay. album. Literally anything Beyonce. Love it. Okay. I work out to right now, which is kind of sad, but it's like Renaissance. Okay. Do I want it from top to bottom or do I want to shuffle today? <laughs> but is that good? The top to bottom, there's like, it goes seamlessly into each other to the point where like, I can't even name the, the songs because they're just one long one to me. Uh-huh. She's so genius for that. She's just... I can go on and on. I just, I hate that I didn't go to the show, but I really appreciated the movie and like, getting to see the whole behind the scenes and like yes. everything that goes in. Oh, I just melt. I melt. There's going to be another tour. So you just have to make sure like me and my best friend from high school, um, mm-hmm. we go to every Beyonce concert. And this next time around, we said that when her album drops, no matter what, there will be a beehive little fund. And we do not touch oh. that. And that's for when we go in the beehive for the concert. I lo- just start saving now. That's what I should do. Cause it was exactly. really like, Oh, am I really going to just pay that for a ticket? And I didn't want to risk waiting the day of, even though I probably could have gone. I just, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, for life. <laughs> okay. Who has been your favorite choreographer that you've worked with in the pro space? I know, putting you so on the spot for that. You can name more than one. You can't do that. I feel like I have, because the journey of Savannah is so long and extensive, I feel like I have a different relationship. Like I can tell a relationship with each person that's so different. Like, yes, like Michelle Vaughn, she was the person to FaceTime me and like became like a big sister to me where she would call me and be like, how you doing girl? And so that that was like that relationship. And then I have like Shandon who I love. She's crazy in the best way. We're like, she recognized me when we were doing Cultivate Code with like Sierra and Charity. And so she remembered my name from there. So when I got to meet her at Blazers, it was like full circle. And she was like, I remember you. And I was like, oh my God. You know, like, and then like Oscar gave me a free class during COVID because I I won, like, I took his class and I like won the best performer. And then I met him in person at Blazers when he came to dance with me and I almost cried. Like, it was just like, oh, I love so many. I can't, I can't do one. Okay. No, I love it. It's almost like little little eras of your journey and, and like Johnny at ProAction. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I just can't. No. Okay, that's fair. What actress would play you in a biopic? 
actress. I'm not good with actresses. Is there one that you identify with that reminds you of yourself? I'm looking at you and I'm like, who would I pick? Hmm. Somebody has told me, A, that I've I've looked like either Taylor Swift. It was when her curly hair era country music. Okay. Sometimes you give me a little Julia Roberts, obviously with the amazing hair. Okay. This is not a fair one because I just saw her do like a bringing back her her dance routine from like, what's it called? Like Save the Last Dance. The Julia chick, just face a little bit. What's her name? I don't know, but I know who you're talking about. Visual. See, I'm a visual. I know who you're visually talking about, but I don't know their names. Their names. Yeah, I'm the worst. I'm like, that one movie called and I'll name it some other movie. But I'm going <laughs> to go Julia Roberts because of the hair. Iconic. You're just, you're just pretty woman. Iconic. I, okay. Iconic. I love that for me. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite pizza topping? Sausage. Not a pepperoni girl. I love it. Instagram or TikTok? I'm kind of on a TikTok little kick right now. Really? I still have not made the transition over. I've that- learned a lot of stuff on TikTok. TikTok University? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's actually, it sounds really bad that that's like a resolution, but it's like, get your TikTok act together. Like, play with the app, start to absorb it, figure it out. Like, hey. I'll I'll go with you. Maybe I need to like post more because I posted one video of myself just to see how it worked. And yeah. it's still the video that like my boyfriend always makes fun of me for. It was like reviewing a coffee drink like last Christmas. And he was like, you need to bring it back. Like you're really good at it. And I was like, okay, well, you have to film it. I'm not going to do it on myself, by myself anymore. Like this is, I, I'm not a TikToker. I cannot keep up. I can't keep up. But if, at least, if I'm not going to post anything, I at least need to like, know how to navigate and scroll and do all the things i, I don't know. know i have a scroller account i don't post i just scroll i need to get it together i'm gonna start scrolling on a scale of one to ten how good of a driver are you i feel like this is depends who you ask <laughs> okay i would say well i'm from la so i would say i'm like a eight because i'm aggressive enough i'm fast enough okay um, but i think some people would think it's too much. Like I would, they would maybe give me a lower score just because they may get car. I don't know. Car sick. I don't know. Like <laughs> when I'm in the car with Sierra, her and I drive the same. We're crazy. We just go and everyone else is too slow. So I don't know. Are you like a stop and go? No, 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 no. Like whenever I have somebody in the car, I like consciously think like slowly because I know if not, It'll be like, you know, when I'm in the car with my daughter, I'm always, when I'm about to do something typical Makiba, I don't know what I would rate myself, but I'm always like, just relax. And then I'll do, like, I'll literally tell her, like, just relax real quick. And then I'll do some little crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. But I give a little warning. That's just relax. Like, I'm about to do something. The hand you. where you're like yeah. trying to stop her from go. Yes. Yeah, just relax. My mom taught me how to drive and she's the same way. So we're good. We're like, let's go. Places to go, people to see. Okay. Um, all right. If you were the eighth dwarf, what would your name be? I think I'm just sleepy. You would just be the sleepy dwarf? I would just be the sleepy one. I can sleep. I think because my schedule's so busy and there's so much always happening. I could sleep in until like three if I really. Oh, wow. I'm a, I'm a sleeper. A sleeper. Okay. And I'm deep sleep. Like once I'm in the bed, 
asleep, you can't get me up. Can't you? Okay. Okay. But that time Happy is precious because I know that I don't know the next I'll get it. Stock it up though. My daughter said she's like my sleeping beauty. Like she could sleep. I love that. She was so cute at the game, by the way. Oh, thank you. She was just like, it's so overwhelming. Everything's so beautiful. And not any hoodles. It was fun having her. We can't wait to come back. Okay. What's the best vacation that you've ever taken? Ooh. I would say going to Hawaii. Um, but it's not really a vacation because I used to babysit all through college and one of my nanny families that I still nanny for till this day, well, not really because they live in the Bay, um, every vacation they would go on, they would take me with them. And so I've gotten to like travel the world with them literally. And I think the last Hawaii trip that we took together was my favorite because the kids were old enough. We've been together for like six, seven years where it really felt like a vacation for me. Yet I was still, but like I love their family so much, and it was just like the perfect amount of spending time with the kids, you know, doing adventures, and then also having time to myself to like go on a run and things like that. So I would just say the the time it's more of time with certain people. Yeah, for sure, and a beautiful setting doesn't doesn't hurt. And it has beautiful yes, and beautiful food, and just yeah, great. I would say Hawaii with that family. Nice, nice. Okay, last one. If you could shop for free at one store, which one would you choose? Sephora. I love this answer. It comes out a lot. That was, did you hear how quick that was? Yes, just like easy. <laughs> Do I have a problem? Possibly. Everybody should be looking at their Sephora receipts for the year 2023 and really, there's probably like tears. Mm-mm you know um, yeah there, yeah a vib rouge I've, I've that every year the highest tier that you can get because i spend a certain yeah. amount of money oh wow okay so i mean sounds... it's, it's something i'm proud of but also something i'm not proud of you know <laughs> well it oh, sounds wow. like on tiktok you should be doing makeup tutorials on all of the things that you spend or do but, you buy other things too like hair and like all of that's, that's the issue that you'll get into once you start doing tiktok you'll get influenced like you will learn what to buy. And that is also the issue. But however, there's like cheap dupes and stuff. So I've I've gotten more into that where I can like, you know, if somebody comes up to me and needs X, Y, and Z, I'm like, oh, I got a dupe for that. Like, don't buy, don't buy that. Get this one. Oh, no. I, okay. This is totally off topic. But do you also take things back to Sephora that don't work for you? Or do you just hoard, not hoard, but do you just keep all of your support oh, a little bit of hoarding I have some stuff right here um because that's my makeup desk right now and it's I don't have any like storage and I have way more than you know that so I typically don't return them but if it's something that I know that I really will not use then I will return it because you can it's like a Nordstrom like if something doesn't work out or you get an allergic reaction or something you can return it right. yeah but the issue is if I return it I'll just I will take the next thing that's on my list and buy that Gotcha. Well, as you kind of should. I mean, you agreed. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I appreciate you playing along with me. I really did enjoy Drop It Like It's Hot and do not even have a reason in my mind that I can think of when I dropped it. But, you know, thanks for bringing it back. Thanks for bringing me out of retirement for like the best interview that I could ask for. I'm so grateful to have had you and 
tears were shed, just love just was oozing through the little camera lens here. I just adore you and can't tell you how good it felt to see you shine at ProAction. I just, and then now I get to see you on the court. Like I just really have all the feels for you and I'm just so happy for you. And I don't even, I mean, what did you do to me at that dinner, Savannah? Like, we didn't even know each other. And here I am. I just, I'm like invested like crazy. And I just, not even knowing all of the highs and lows of your journey, I just fully rejoiced in ultimately making your team. And it couldn't be a better team. And I'm just so happy for you. Thank you, Makiba. I love you so much. Love you too. I wish I could hug you, but I'll come back to Portland so I can give you a hug. Um, thank you so much. It was perfect. and I apologize. It's going to be so long. Just let the story go. And I don't care if it goes for, you know, two hours. But the problem was just like having that plus having cheer chat to talk about whatever was going on at the beginning. I'm like, we got episodes that are like three hours no, long. It's true. I think ironically enough. I had time and I love listening to podcasts and I was like, oh my God, I forgot that Roy was on the podcast. So this morning when I was getting ready for church, I was playing her podcast and it just reminded me of like old school approach here, you know, when like Brittany was still on it, like things like this. And I was just like, oh my God, I remember. And obviously still was today. I was so invested in like point A to all the way to the end. Like when you have those good interviews and every single one is a good interview, I was just like hooked. Like I didn't care how long it was going to go. Like I needed to hear every single thing that was recorded. And religiously, I remember beginning to the end on some of those because they were long. They are, but they're worth it. And no one, like no one has that platform that is talking to people in it or about it. And it was just like, you really were, are like the full pioneer of the pro podcast space. Like no one, I think there maybe is like, I don't even know if there's little that talk about it here or there, or like if they're on a TikTok and they're talking about their time on the team, so different than what you provide with this podcast from the, from the get go, like. I remember you guys were talking about like cheer chat in that episode or something. And it was like such a different time. Like things really have evolved so much, which thank God, but I think you maybe don't understand how much you played a part in that. Don't even (laughs) like, like think about like the top cats right now, the diversity that they have on their team. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. Or like, I remember, Oh, you were talking in the Roy episode about, male cheerleaders entering the space and it it was just like we've come so far but it's only because of these conversations that you have and that you bring on a platform that everyone can listen to even the people that don't want to hear about it they have to hear about it now Mm. well I I really appreciate that because there are times where I and I probably sound like just get therapy lady because you keep sounding like you go but there are times where you just feel like, is anybody listening or is yes. this worth it? Yep. But it is. It is. I mean, and I'm glad I finally reached a place just because, you know, I won't even call it burnout, but sometimes I get mad at the space like this shit is ridiculous. When is this going to change or when is whatever little emotions that I'd be having about it? And I would feel like, OK, well, maybe I just need a break or maybe. And I was like, I felt like it was kind of slipping away from me last year, to be honest, where it was like maybe things are good now and I should just shut. 
maybe all the things that have been, could have been done have been done and now it's as time you to know, as you know we never know what's happening behind closed doors in those organizations still no, still still there's very rare very few people that care about it still once they leave the space and that's you you left the space of being actually fully in it a while ago yet you still have the full passion and like fire under your butt to talk about it to want to change things to want to acknowledge things that a lot of people that are in this space won't talk about because they're afraid that they're going to get cut from a team or I remember hearing about things from this podcast and being like, God, I wish I could talk about that, but thinking, oh my God, I have to shut up because if some team sees this and they don't like it, they won't take me. They won't take, yeah. And that's just the freaking reality of it. I want to just focus this year of coming back. And again, I thank you so much for inspiring me to want to come back to doing interviews. Um, I hadn't felt that inspiration in a long time. Like I was just like, that is too much work and I'm... <laughs> gonna just go and live with my rosé drinks your chat I don't care about editing it it's gonna come out the way it comes out like you know balls out whatever yeah but I just I just want to get back to it's not like I'm some like CNN correspondent but I just want to just acknowledge what I see and just the beautiful things that I see the different things that I see teams doing in a positive way I mean that's really what I wanted to well, Brittany and I wanted the podcast to really be about back, way back when it was just us being able to talk about it because nobody else was, um, yep. you know, and then when you're observing it, you're seeing all the crap that needs to change. And of course, I get on my little rants and but I just, <laughs> there's still so many good things happening. And I kind of want to just go. I know everybody's seeing everything. So it's like, who wants to hear you talk about it? But I just want to it's some form of acknowledgement of the I see you. I see what you're doing here going to games and being able to say like, this is what this team is doing. And, or just if I'm observing from social media, this, I like this, or maybe I don't like that, but I just, we just to keep talking. I'm glad that I feel like I don't need to just retire my mouth. from No, no because <laughs> even, even us seeing things that teams are doing and posting, that doesn't mean that it's actually happening. Like you going into that space uh, getting a feel for that team, getting a feel for that game day, getting a feel for the locker room. Like that tells you way more than what a social media video TikTok post would actually show. Because even then, like one team can do something, the same team can do the same exact thing. How they get to that end result is so different. Like you have teams that are like, they have a social media person, whether that's on the team and they're creating these things or whether that's like an assistant like there's so many different back end things that happen and that's where people auditioning for teams don't know how the back end is run and i think that's what's so important like the team that i am on the way that it's ran is perfect for me it yeah. may not be perfect for somebody else but nobody knows that unless you talk about it okay. and and in order to talk about it you have to investigate it because those teams will not come out and tell <laughs> somebody how they're running no no and they won't necessarily be like here's an invitation to come into our world and yeah no and even but if you just come into the world some teams are going to be a little bit more of like okay guys remember to act like this and that's fine that's fine that's fine but that's not everybody yeah I'm going to keep it as real as I can get it and as Amen. much as 
to go to all the locker rooms and get all the behind the scenes, even like you said, game day observations. You can kind of get a you get a vibe. If you know what you're looking for, you get a little bit of a vibe. And we know how like teams are dancing. Like some teams are like in the locker room the whole time. You don't know that until you're on the team, or unless you know somebody who's on the team that is open enough to tell you that. But half the time that's not something that you ask, like, hey, how often are you on like involved? Like you know, before, back in the day, dancers used to sit on the court. That's not the case anymore, but that doesn't mean that some teams are not doing anything, but sometimes they're not doing anything. So it's like you do the investigated work that is needed, but also that sheds light on positive things and maybe not so positive things. But I think that also gives the pressure for directors and teammates and coaches to change things that maybe somebody finally tells them it's not really working because a lot of coaches have been in the space for so long directors and they need to be like maybe held more accountable for things that they're doing or saying and I think that's where you come in and you're like hey have we ever thought about this (laughs) thought about how this is making them feel no okay but here's food for thought Well, I literally, this is so inspiring for me. And it's just for people to understand at least what I'm trying to put out into the world and wanting to do it in a committed way, making sure my passion check is right, where it's like, are you feeling this or if you're not? Because if you're not, it's going to be a shit show. If you are, then you'll be, you know, just having the right bandwidth in life and all the other things going on to really be able to rededicate. And again, I just thank you so much for pulling that inspiration out of me. I love you. I love you. Thanks so much for listening to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. You can follow your favorite podcast on social media at Pro Cheerleading Podcast on Instagram, at Pro Cheer Podcast on Twitter. We're on Facebook, on YouTube, and you can support your favorite podcast on Patreon. Until next time, keep your eyes on the sidelines. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.